Funding for the Hinckley Report is made possible in part by the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation and the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report as a podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe at your go-to podcast platform. Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. Tonight on The Hinckley Report, state lawmakers grapple with the details of tax reform. Governor Herbert pushes them to double the proposed cuts. Utah's delegation reacts as Congress officially proposes articles of impeachment. And gubernatorial candidates weigh in on the important issues facing our state. Good evening, and welcome to The Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Michelle Quist, political commentator with Salt Lake Tribune, Amy Donaldson, reporter with the Deseret News, and Ben Winslow, reporter with Fox 13 News. Thank you all for being with us. There's so much happening, it's, it's hard to know where to begin. But let's start with the most exciting topic, tax reform. <laughs> so exciting! <laughs> let's, let's start with you, Ben. You were there till the late hours of the night. So last late. night, <laughs> yes. Last night, our legislators met in special session, passed a tax reform package. Give us the flavor for what was happening there and the dynamics on the, on the floor. Well, there was a lot that was offered. This bill was changing up until the very last votes. And even then, it still changed again. Uh, you're getting... Uh, $160 million tax income tax cut uh, to sell it to Utahns overall. But in exchange for that, you will see some things like a hike on the food, uh, food tax, a hike on gasoline, and a uh, sales tax on some services, ride shares, uh, streaming media, veterinary or pets grooming, boarding services, uh, even dating sites are getting uh, yeah. taxed now. So lawmakers say that this is to address a structural imbalance that people are buying more services and fewer goods and that's led to a decline in the sales tax which pays for government services that we all use all the infrastructure needs clean air initiatives things like that the problem is, is the income tax is raising a lot of money and that's earmarked solely for education but interestingly enough, that was not discussed. Okay, yeah, so let's, let's talk about that, Michelle, for a second, because this is something we talked about on our own program, from the Republican side and the Democrat side. Uh, they did not get to that big issue on removing the earmark for public ed. Right, talk about that. The, well, it's a, it would be a constitutional amendment. They didn't talk about about it. They also didn't include the, the education part where they would um, allow the counties to increase the property taxes more easier with an, with an annual cost of living increase. Now, this is, this is part of the plan, right? It's part of the overall um, reform, yet they did it piecemeal. And it, and it makes it so that they can claim a credit now, but the net might not be such a credit. And, and I think that's a disservice to, to Utahns. You know, this whole structural imbalance, we have a surplus every year. Um, it, it wasn't, there, there wasn't some kind of impending doom that they needed to do this right now. I, I, I just don't believe there was. Okay, so why did they? Um, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I have okay. an idea. Give us, give us your idea, Amy. <laughs> My, uh, as the outsider and not covering this um, and trying to keep up with all of the changes and all the proposals, I feel like this is a, a, an election year 
um, offering. So I see the uh, what they the two hundred dollar, one hundred twenty five dollar. I don't know. I hear two different numbers. Uh, pr is it a probate? Is what they're calling it a prebate? Pre pre yeah. So it's not a rebate. It's a prebate. Um, that that I see that as this like hey. You know, we're we're taking care of you. Um, mm -hmm. Things are going to be good. That's why they wanted to go. That's why they wanted the special session. That's why they wanted to to go into effect immediately. All of those things I think were aimed at. You know, we're the people taking care of you. We're putting money back in your pocket. And I do agree with you that it's so difficult to figure out what the net. And if you can't look at a proposal and do the math and say this is how it's going to impact you, why are you passing it mm. well, in the middle of the night? And they're the ones who took the money out of our pockets. You know, one of the big things that they're that they're claiming right now is that they gave this hugest tax credit that they've ever given. Part of that is because of the dependent exemptions that they didn't um, implement last year when the federal tax changes went into effect. So last year, Utah families, a ton of Utah families, owed money to the state mm -hmm. instead of got a refund. Now they're putting that fix in and they're claiming that they're giving us this huge credit. I'm sorry, but you're not. You're just implementing the federal tax change from last year when you took money out of our pockets. That really Ben, uh, take this issue as to how this relates to the voters, because Amy seems to assert that maybe this is an election time issue also. But what about these, these concerns that have been raised? This may not be that popular with voters. Uh, mm -hmm. They did want to do a special session because they didn't want it to eat up the general session. And as we saw with tax reform last year, or excuse me, earlier this year, uh, it did eat up quite a bit of time. So they wanted to get this done. They also wanted Utahns to feel uh, this in their checkbook immediately and and yeah. so January 1 people are going to start seeing that uh, income tax reduction so I don't know if this is going to work in an election year interestingly enough they failed to get two-thirds of a majority vote which could subject it to a citizen referendum if someone is willing to actually run it the house speaker last night told me that he doesn't think that uh, that would go very far once Utah starts seeing that break in their wallet mm -hmm. and I don't think uh, the pu general public is buying that this is this amazing um, service that they've provided, right? I think the majority of us feel like they're not spending enough on education or they're not spending it the right way. Um, I don't think anybody disagrees that this tax we need a restructure. We need to figure out different ways of funding roads and mm -hmm. and all you know public transportation things like that. But I I definitely think that um, not even being able to see the proposal until late last night and then not knowing what was finally voted on. I mean I'm like at, on my phone following Ben at you know 9:30 at night. There were a lot of tweets from Ben. Yeah, but <laughs> trying to figure out trying to follow and that's the situation the rest the, like the general public yeah. is in and every public comment it, it was over. Overwhelmingly, I would give them, I'll generously give them 90% disapproved of this, of doing this in, in this way at this time in, 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 without looking at restructuring the tax um, buckets. I would bet a majority of the legislators made fun of, of uh, the Affordable Care Act and how it was passed and the fact that it was said that we had to pass it before we knew what was in it because that's exactly what happened last night. Hours before we voted on it, it wasn't even released. That's not good governing. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but the Democrats didn't see it. So the Republicans caucused in both the House and the Senate privately and then they 
got to look at it. And I think one thing that I feel like is missing across the board in governance, whether it's local level to the to the federal level, is this idea of trust. Like, let's talk about this. And I've watched on this show as you've had people discussing different ideas and and you know offering different perspectives. That's missing in governance. It's not missing in the public discussion space, but somehow it's not the, the element of trust that doesn't exist. But on the flip side, the legislature does push back at that, saying that they went around the state, they held numerous public meetings, town halls, to mm -hmm. talk to people about this situation, and they had 62 hours worth of discussion about this very topic. So they argue it has been vetted, and how yeah. much more do you keep going with this? But did they listen? Yeah. This is the thing. My parents used to always listen to me. I, I don't like this family rule. I want to change this or whatever. And they would hear me out, and they never, ever adopted my proposals. Uh -huh. yeah. And that's how I feel about this public process. They had all these hearings. They got all this feedback. They asked for feedback in writing, and it was overwhelming. Every group that works with the poor or people who are at mm -hmm. risk opposes this this proposal and Who then the governor that? then the governor doubles down on it right they it, everybody who works in education dis disagrees with this if the people who are most impacted are opposed to it why aren't you listening to them uh -huh. can we talk about that juxtaposition a little bit here you're talking about who's listening and who's on board because this was not a vote straight along party lines no. right we had republicans voting against yeah. also but let's uh, michelle let, let me uh, give a quote from the governor since amy brought it up because the governor did not only did he want more uh, of a tax refund but he also commented on the proceedings the governor said i commend the legislature for their courage and forward thinking to address the difficult issue of tax reform the bill they passed this evening takes measurable steps towards improving the stability and equity of our tax system i look forward to signing it so we have the governor on board, but right. a couple others, including his own lieutenant governor. Yeah. Yeah. Not. No, the governor has nothing to lose because he's not running again, right? Um, the, the the who I give credit for is the representatives who said, you know, I, who went against the party, who went against the Republican Party and said, I've listened to my constituents, and over 90% of the ones who I've heard from do not want this, and because of that, I voted no. You know, it's hard to hear the legislators say, well, I hear you, but you just don't get it, so I voted, I voted yes instead like we get it we understand what's going on and it's not that we're not forward-looking it's that there are these things in there that don't make sense yet it's it's close, but it wasn't there yet. There, there needed to be more work, and, and they just, they, they didn't do more work. What, one thing I would say is when you look at the list of services, my husband's a, a self-employed uh, attorney, and he said, I'm done. I'm not gonna figure out sales tax on what I do. Um, I think there's probably a lot of people in that situation who, who offer a service that's gonna be really difficult to quantify, right? And really difficult to tax. And I think if you look at what got left on the list and what mm -hmm. got taken off the list, I have a lot of questions about how that process worked and who got their needs addressed and who didn't. Laundromats, for example. I don't know if that ended up in the final proposal. After a certain percentage, I think, with yeah. the vending machine and cash. But mm -hmm. I, when I looked at it, what I went back to was I was once a single mom trying to figure out how I was going to buy everything I needed and pay every bill that I had. And uh, every single thing on that list, were, except for one, were things that I that I relied on, right? I mean, I know I shouldn't be eating from vending machines, but at one time I did. <laughs> but, but you know what this is, though, is the sales tax on services, this is a start. 
Mm -hmm. As we move to a services-based economy from a goods-based economy, yes, there were a lot that were taken away. And there were a lot who brought their lobbyists to Capitol Hill exactly. to get themselves yeah. removed, attorneys being one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to come back around down the road and add them to the list, particularly as society changes mm -hmm. and as people start using more services mm -hmm. and they still have to address those shortfalls that pay for the services that everybody says they need. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. So I was just going to say, I, I think that that's part of the disconnect, though, between the public and what they're, what the legislators are trying to figure out. I think generally the people I talk to in my neighborhood as we discuss this stuff, it's they get that this needs to be restructured and that things have changed and we need to change with them, but they don't understand the way in which this process has worked. And that's, e even if you feel completely good about it, the fact that you haven't communicated that is, if you're an elected official, is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this... Uh, will be resolved a little bit, Michelle, when uh, these checks start coming back. Maybe explain what this prebate idea is when we start getting those checks, uh, particularly some uh, to offset the food tax. Maybe. I mean, it's hard to identify the people that need the checks, and the people that really need the checks can't use a check. I mean, do they have a bank account? Do they, you know, are they going to, do they have do a they mail? Have an uh, yeah, a mail, yeah. a post box. And and so, you know, you know, I know I saw that money was going to be given to the Division of, of Workforce Services to try to identify these people, but Boy, that's a big workaround to just, why don't you just not tax food? You know, it, it worked, it's, it's been working for five years. Well, that became a key issue, right, Ben, this, this food tax? It's uh, a significant issue and whether, uh, but lawmakers insist, or at least legislative leadership insists that this is necessary and that this will benefit more Utahns than it would, that it would harm. Let me ask one more thing on this because we talked about the governor and the lieutenant governor. Uh, uh, Amy, t tell me what you think about this. Uh, every s candidate for governor that has announced immediately came out saying, not the right time to do this or some yeah. version. You know, yeah. uh, Governor Huntsman talked about the sales tax on food. We had Spencer Cox even coming out, Amy Winder Newton, Jeff Birmingham, all pretty quickly. Yeah. It's it, it a pretty a wide range of ways in which this was not the right thing to do, right? But I think that that was sort of just a, um, a, an affirmation to me that this is, a, this is partly an election year issue. And that part of the reason they're doing a prebate is to mitigate this idea that they're hurting the poor by charging them for a sales tax on food. They're saying, look, no, we're giving them this money up front. We're not making them apply for it. Yeah. Um, all of these things are not true. And if you're in that sort of working poor category where you're trying to make ends meet and you're trying to pull yourself up, then you're in this situation where what if your municipality decides to tax um, to, to, to make up for what they lose in the education funding. So I think that it's just too complicated and it's, there's too many variables. And I do feel like it's somewhat of a, hey, here's this $200 or this $125 check, whatever. Um, you know, don't, don't be mad at us. We're, we're trying to give you money. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that it's a, a small token for something that's going to hurt them much greater in the long run. I think you, I looked at a bunch of different um, analysis. Again, difficult to, to analyze something that didn't exist in final form until last night. But all the, anal all, all the analysis that I saw from people who work with people who are on the, the, the working poor and lower, um, you know, the savings was, um, you know, between 10 and like $33. Um, and I don't, and then there was this idea of how do you, um, 
let them know. And, and the other thing that I was confused by was them taking money from the Medicaid expansion um, mm. and moving, you know, oh, oh, not as many people as we suspected signed up for that. That should tell you that there's this communication gap between you and the poor mm -hmm. um, that is not being bridged. And so don't don't make it worse at this particular moment when you know they need to eat food. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's switch gears. Uh, something just happened this morning. Washington, <laughs> D.C., we've been watching the uh, impeachment proceedings mm -hmm. uh, closely. Uh, ben, this morning we had a vote from the House Judiciary Committee. Two articles uh, were voted on and approved along strict party lines. Uh, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Describe those two uh, issues and how they're playing out right now in, in Utah specifically. Well, we're going to have to see our congressional congressional delegation facing a very interesting vote and where they stand because now it goes to the full house and they have to decide whether they vote for impeachment. Most of them have already announced this. I think yeah. Ben McAdams. So walk us through them. Walk yeah. our delegation. So our delegation, I mean, Rob Bishop has been solidly behind President Trump. Okay, so you got Chris Rob Stewart. Bishop. Yeah, Chris Stewart. Okay, Chris Stewart, he was going very to be solidly uh, he's behind been very President. vocally <laughs> behind President Trump. Yeah. And I think... Um, uh, Curtis, Curtis just said, John Curtis no, just said he's he not won't. a fan of impeachment. Yeah, and he did an interview yesterday where he kind of said, again, like yeah. he was... He doesn't really agree with some of the things that happened, you know, ethically, but he doesn't feel like these two articles of impeachment, um, that they've reached the bar that they need to legally. Um, and, and then you have uh, Representative McAdams, who's been pretty, pretty silent, although he did float. He was part of a 10 or 12 members yeah. of the Democratic Party uh, who said, what about censure? How would you all feel if we offer a censure? Um, of the president instead of this impeachment, um, and obviously that's not going anywhere. Um, so once again, mm -hmm. everybody's watching him. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and, and he's really in a no-win situation. Okay, do you agree with that? Is, is it no-win for him? Where does he go? It's to a big deal for him. I mean, he, you know, every two years he has an election in a Republican-leaning um, district that often sways Democrat, right? So there's always this issue of, you know, of towing the line between both parties um, for whoever is representing the 4th District. And uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. big for him. We've well, been involved in politics for a long time. You've run for office yourself, right? So uh, kind of give us the analysis right here, because he's a Democrat in an in a area where he did not win by a huge amount, but, but you know, fairly popular with that base, right? right. So, uh, you know, what, what happens if he decides, I'm going to vote for this? Is that not this, it's not the safer thing for him maybe just to vote for this impeachment? Was that what people expect him to do? Um, I think people expect him to, to stick with the Democrats. Um, I, I think that, I think honestly that, well, I don't want to say it would be fine if he goes both ways, but I, I think memories are short mm -hmm. and by, you know, by next November, I think impeachment will be forgotten. I totally disagree. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about where it's yeah, going to go then. I think that uh, the, the Donald Trump's vote margin in the fourth district was 36%. So he won 36% of the people who voted. And I think Ben only won by like 600-ish votes. So it was a super, yeah, it was a super tight race. So <clears throat> I think that people will remember. I think people who are watching and um, the question is who's mobilized to do something about it, who actually shows up on, on election day. Um, but I think everybody's paying attention to the impeachment, maybe more so than some of the things we should be paying attention to right. there because there are a lot of um, other issues out there that I think are important, but it's sort of like those lightning rod, I mean, uh, issues. The, that the percentages of, of the American population who are for impeachment, you've got 90 percentage 
90-ish percentage of Democrats and 90-ish percentage of Republicans. Independents, you don't have. It's like 43%. Yeah. And so it, impeachment isn't going it's, to, it's still, it's still going along these party lines. And that's not what Utah is. Utah, you know, especially in that area, they go back and forth, especially in the fourth. And, and so because I think it doesn't have the, the uh, independence, I think it's, and it's not going to, I don't think the Senate's going to convict. And so impeachment's well, going to go away. Mitch McConnell basically said that. Okay, right. talk about <laughs> but yeah, it's going to go away. And to your point about voters and, and who's going to remember, this is also a district that sees a lot of political ad spending. And mm -hmm. voters may just be reminded by PACs and special mm -hmm. interest groups that want to remind them because they want their candidate in. Yeah. Well, I think there's already been a commitment by people who want to be the Republicans want to take back. That's a priority seat mm -hmm. for them. Um, and so they're already, it doesn't matter what he does, they're going to use it against him. Oh. So, and independents so, aren't sold. Yeah. Impeachment isn't a selling point. That's, I mean, that's uh -huh. the point. Impeachment isn't, a, it's like, well, you voted for impeachment or you voted for, or you didn't vote for impeachment. It's, it's not a selling point for independents. Uh -huh. And that's who he needs to sway. Okay, so, uh, so how will they use that then, Ben? Because this is such an interesting case right now. So is it true what you said is right? Oh, you go to the United States, it's about 53% of Americans favor uh, the impeachment, at least going to this point. Uh, what happens next? Because uh, it's next week, right, Ben? What's going to happen in these proceedings? The full House is going to have to vote. And then you go to the Senate for the trial. And, okay. it will and pass, so, it'll, he'll get impeached. Okay, the whole yeah. panel agrees. Yeah. The House votes I'm, yes. Yeah. Pretty I'm, much guaranteed. Yeah. Uh -huh. I believe he will be impeached. Do we I, have, mean, I watched a lot of and listened to a lot of the two days worth of five minute uh -huh. pontificating. And literally, I mean, I even had a, a, I have a little Facebook group where a bunch of different uh, ideologies, you know, collide, and nobody changed. It didn't. Nothing changed except for we were more convinced than ever that this was an exercise in futility. But that's why. <laughs> that's why Representative McAdams won't vote for impeachment because it's going to happen anyway, and they know they don't. He doesn't. They don't need they his don't vote. So, so uh, what do you think? Is that right, Ben? So, could you? Would you say? Uh, there's no chance the president is removed from office from the, in the Senate. It's not looking like it will be unless something changes. I will be very curious to see how Mitt Romney votes. I think uh, Senator I think that's Lee, actually the more intriguing yes, question. Yes, uh, well, yeah. just getting to that. So yeah. how, how does our how do our two senators? We know where Mike Lee is, right? Yes. Mike yeah. Lee is very much on the side of the president. Yeah. I think that's a guarantee that he will not vote to convict or remove from office. Senator Romney, though, that's that's a big question mark. And I think um, Republicans who are just looking to make, I think it's, I think they're in the same position that Ben's in in the, in the House. So do you need me? And if you don't need me, can I make, can I make a political vote, right? Can I, can I get away with that? Whereas on the, on the Senate side, you have some Republicans who are in a similar situation in their districts and they're saying, do you, do, can we break with the president and make a, make a, mm -hmm. you know, sort of a moral stand? And I think that the leader of that effort is uh, Mitt Romney and he's in the best position position to do it because he'll never be on the ticket with Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I don't think Romney will vote to convict. You don't? No. I think he's he's too um, he, he's too statesmanlike. He just won't. I don't think he ever will. Okay. Well, watch this one closely. I, I don't I don't know. I, I think though he's the he's the most likely though to 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 do something like uh -huh. that. If he did vote against it, could he bring more Dem Republicans? Yes. Because our oh, viewers yeah. should know, uh, 20 Republicans are going to have to vote and, and for And that's not going to happen. I just, I think that won't happen. But I think, uh, I think he has the power to, to pull at least five with him. Okay. Well, let's talk about how this stuff plays uh, with the Republican Party locally. Um, and Michelle maybe takes us a second because the Republicans met
that this past Saturday. And uh, so it, they're going after this idea. Many people know you have two ways to get to the ballot. You can get signatures or you can go through the, the convention process. Right. What did they what did they attempt to do this past Saturday? Well, so over a year ago, they, they passed this bylaw eight that says that if you if you attempt to uh, to, to collect signatures, you are no longer a Republican. And therefore, if you're no longer a Republican, you can't be on the ballot for a Republican, right? And so they passed this bylaw. Last year, the chair of the party said that bylaw is illegal, it doesn't match. The, the bylaws in the Constitution also say that the Republican Party has to follow the laws of the state. And so, because they conflict, he didn't, you know, he still, he didn't kick people off, you know, pe uh, candidates, Senator Lee, Senator Romney, they were not kicked off for collecting signatures. They were not kicked out of the party. So this past Saturday, they had the same vote to repeal that bylaw. Um, it lost by one vote. So technically that bylaw is still on the books of the Republican Party. But again, the chair will likely not uh, you know, will not um, implement it. Will not. It, it, it can't be effective. Yeah. Thank you. It, yeah. it, it can't be effective because it goes against the laws of the state. Um, I th I want to channel the tenacity of the people who still are on that train right. <laughs> to repeal SB 54. Um, I think uh, when you have the vast majority of candidates trying to do both, use the uh, caucus system and then also um, collect signatures, um, I think you have to acknowledge that the party has moved that direction. But they there's just a certain segment that right. have absolutely it's refused. the Civil War still being fought They're a trying bit. to use yeah. it now, not in the courts, but to convince the legislators mm -hmm. to repeal it. <laughs> to repeal that SB 54, the right. bill to actually get in that. And that could bin. come back in the 2020 session, that, mm -hmm. that idea. I don't know how far it will go. Uh, previous attempts to do, uh, to do so have not gone very far. Everybody was like, let's wait for the U.S. Supreme Court court to yeah. see if they take it up. The U.S. Supreme Court didn't take it up. Right. So this is where we are. You know, Supposedly the civil war within the Republican Party was over, but it appears there's still some battles being fought. How's this going, how could this impact uh, the governor's race in 2020? We could have no Republicans on the ballot if someone decides to <laughs> no make Republicans an issue. Name. Yes, yeah. exactly, correct. Labels. If someone decides to make an issue of it, some of the left-leaning groups, the Democratic Party, have grumbled about possibly making a complaint to the lieutenant governor's office, uh, which uh, Spencer Cox would then probably have to do some kind of a recusal because he is also uh -huh. a candidate and a Republican candidate. I don't know how far that's going to go. Um, it's certainly an interesting Hail Mary. I don't know if it'll hit the goalposts. <laughs> <laughs> Ahead, I don't know how you take the air out of this when you have Senator Lee giving a big impassioned yeah. speech to say, keep up, the, keep up the work, keep trying to repeal this, this should be repealed, we need to get rid of this, and really sort of calling on the legislature to address it. So I don't know, you have to at some point figure out how to take the air out of this or or give it life, right? So he, it, he it's somewhere in that Frankenstein. Yeah, we'll talk about that he because he's, speech, he's the one that. But then he voted to repeal the bylaw and, and because it's just not consistent. It's not a good way of the party moving forward. You know, we're, we're against ourselves. It's, it's, it's just a But silly. I understood that to be acknowledging this sort of conflict, right? So you're not, you don't want that. That's a look you don't want. Like we're gonna kick you off and if you follow the look. law. Uh -huh. But that's the look the right. Republican party has right Someone now. Someone should announce for Dem. <laughs> I'm no, just saying, I think, where's I'm the governor for Can we get rid of the all race? parties and just everybody just run? Can we just do that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, do we, do we have, uh, is there a bill file open for this, Ben? Uh, to my knowledge, there's talk of one. I don't know if I've seen one actually show up. There might be one in name only. There's okay. no way okay. it would ever be repealed. Okay. 
We'll watch it closely. Thank you so much for your great insights today. It's just very informative. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode of The Hinkley Report. If you like listening to the experts talking about the issues, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.